When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, man? Hello. Welcome to the cast. I'm going to jump right into this. Do it. I Googled myself. Oh, God. I Googled a very particular part of myself. I don't know how I found this. Uh, I think it was auto-suggested. Charlie Hoopert net worth. Oh, wow. Good news. What is it? (laughs) I have nine figures. (laughs) What? (laughs) I have $107 million. Is there a different Charlie Hoopert? No, it's me, the YouTube star. What? I had $10 million last year. It was a big year for us this Holy year. Holy crap. We broke through, dude. Dude, I'm really underpaid. I'm I've, not even close to that. Our, our donations to charity seem pretty meager. <laughs> why, why do people think you have $107 million? Well, they also think, and not think, that I'm 5'9". Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my shoe size is an 8. And I have a dress size of a four, which I thought was a little bit bigger than I no, am. No, that's small, dude. Dude, I'm like a double zero. I've been losing weight. No, a four? I'm thin, dude. That's small. I've gone down. I think I could squeeze into a, into a two. Give me, give me that at least. Why, what is this site? <laughs> Why does this website? No, there's a, there's a bunch of these sites, and I don't know how I came across it originally, but net worth. And then the Google, you know how Google grabs the most authoritative site for any search and puts it in that little box? That's where, that's where the 107 million comes from. Other sites say 10 million. Other sites say, you know, all this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't have a million dollars for those people who are watching. Yeah. I'm not close. Uh, it's just hilarious. And it makes me think of all these Forbes lists, which, of course, have a little bit more, if even a lot more work goes into trying to divine these numbers. But they're just made up. Yeah. No, and I've done that before. I've been like, oh, I wonder how much this Harry Potter kid made. Yeah. And so you just look up Harry Potter, like whatever it is. This person's Ron network. Weasley's Ron Weasley's network, network. Yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently those numbers are made up. Well, the other thing is you might get a reported answer for a salary from a movie, but from YouTube, nobody's reporting any of that. And the ad rates that people get are wildly different. Ours are even good. Dude, I'm pissed. You have not been sharing a lot. You've been embezzling <laughs> company funds, man. I'm not even close to 107 mil. million. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm three inches shorter. And... Uh, three and a half shoe sizes smaller <laughs> wow we got we got to talk about a relationship off air man well i and it reminded me of the pewdiepie video recently where he he said that he was taking a break from youtube and then all the headlines read pewdiepie quits youtube and yeah. how frustrating that has to be to just have this is a small thing somebody who is just making stuff up i'm not at all bothered by these random numbers ascribed to my name uh but to have people just make up and publish things about you regularly has to be so frustrating yeah at some point, I guess you disconnect from it because you go, this is absurd. But having never been in that position, I used to look up celebrity net worths and assume that they were in the ballpark. Oh, yeah. And uh, never I again. Mean, <laughs> I, I literally was doing this like a month ago and thought it was real. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? I'm, I'm loaded. <laughs> God, Jesus Christ. Dinner's on you. Yeah. So I've got a couple other things. I don't know if you want to No, fire away. Watch Colby Covington interview. Yeah. If you guys who are watching don't know Colby Covington, he just had a fight in the UFC versus Kamaru Usman. He got his jaw broken in the third round. He kept fighting. It was it was honestly tough to watch once you realized that his jaw was broken. But how did he do an interview? Did they not? Uh, this is prior to the fight. Got it. 
so this is a few days prior, and he was he's got this. You don't realize it. It's a persona. He wears MAGA hats. He's always got girls in bikinis behind him. He talks a bunch of crap on people. He says mean things. He said that Brazilians are a bunch of filthy animals. He like is just an instigator, and he he, he plays. I realized uh, the stereotypical worst Trump supporter that's just like brash, xenophobic, all of these other things. And in this interview, he doesn't really even hide it. The guy asks him about this persona. And he says, oh, yeah, they weren't paying me enough. I had to do something. <laughs> and he says, because I watched, I watched you two years ago win a fight in Singapore. You were the sixth-ranked guy. Or he had just beaten the sixth-ranked guy. He said, yeah, I beat the sixth-ranked guy. And then I talked to the UFC, and they told me they were thinking of cutting me because I didn't bring in the numbers, despite the fact that I was winning. Wow. And that my next contract was not certain. And at that point, I said, screw this. I don't care if everybody hates me. And I do think that he is genuinely a Trump supporter, but everything appears to be hyper played up yeah and at this point he asked him so what now he says what now i go make more money in the wwe now so if i never fight again which i might not (laughs) you know like i'm just gonna go get paid that's all i care about and i thought it was really interesting in so many domains of life how this wwe fake controversy extreme side is just incentivized and gets people paid Mm mm-hmm you were sending me, what What should our podcast titles be? And then you looked at Phil DeFranco. You're like, well, it needs backlash, controversy, oh, wow. It's, dude, it's crazy. His, <laughs> I have a list, but 95% of his videos, yeah. he forces one of five words into the title. Yeah, It's like backlash, controversy, disturbing. Yeah, It's just these emotional words. And they're always all caps. So it'll be you know this person's name and then all caps, grab your attention, and then the rest of the title. That's what gets people to watch. Yeah, and and that's not saying that maybe he is covering backlash and maybe he selects the news to actually cover backlashes. But certainly— I think what he does is he has a 20-minute video and he'll be like, okay, three of these minutes are for the title. Mm -hmm. And they have to be. I have to find something. And and what that obviously means is that, oh, there's no backlash or controversies today. Well, let's take three people who posted on Twitter and— we can construe that as a controversy or a backlash. And everyone has the same incentive that Phil DeFranco has, right? So now the four or five people on Twitter that had an upset opinion is mainstream. There's two equal sides who are disagreeing with one another on this particular topic. Uh, and, you know, Colby Covington, just another example of you got to get pissed off at everything and you got you to gotta have an enemy. You got to polarize, which is not something that I think we're doing here. No, I hope not. <laughs> Only on accident. Please, everyone like us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think that there's a there's a middle ground, which is being yourself authentically and allowing people to fall where they may. But then, of course, there's the Colby Covington, which is purposefully pissing people off. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that we should do that. I just thought that it was interesting that he does. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Some people just can do that and don't mind the backlash. Yeah, funny enough. They can just go, yeah, everyone hates me. I'm getting booed. I'm getting things thrown at me. I'm getting death threats, and I don't mind. He said as much. He said, I, I don't care. I don't care what any of you think. I got paid. That's all that matters. Success is all that matters. And to him, I imagine, he, I, the question I wanted the interviewer to ask was, what does success mean to you? Mm-hmm. I intuited, based on his answer, that it's amount of money that I have, amount of notoriety that I have, and within that is all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. If everyone in the world knows my name because they all hate me, I don't care. Yeah. Which, well, especially when you're a fighter, because yeah. if you're gonna, if you're all gonna watch to see me get beat up, 
I get the same amount of money than if you're all going to watch because you love me. Mm -hmm. So maybe he just didn't think he could get as many people to love him. Yeah. So there was the other, the other, I think he's the most winning heavyweight champ, Stipe Miocic, right? Mm -hmm. Who won more, had more title defenses in the heavyweight division. Didn't talk any trash. Didn't really say anything. He's just a nice guy <laughs> from Cleveland who's a firefighter. He's a volunteer firefighter. And when he lost, he did eventually get a rematch later. They didn't give him an immediate rematch because he didn't bring the numbers in. Yeah. Uh, versus John Jones, on the other hand, who was popped for steroids multiple times, was involved in a hit and run. <laughs> like his... Yeah, he hit a pregnant woman. <laughs> and and bailed, right? Yeah. Well, so the, she was in a car. He didn't like run yeah, over. Yeah. But he hit his car into a pregnant woman's car, fled the scene, came back to the scene to grab all the money out of his car and then fled again and they said yeah you can fight again it's okay and it's we forgive you john yeah and and of course they're only being driven by the number of people who are going to tune in for the pay-per-views yeah if his i mean this is this is the ufc's stance if him getting drunk or high on cocaine i forget which one and hitting a pregnant woman with his car doesn't make you not want to watch. <laughs> if that doesn't turn you off from watching, it's not going to turn us off from putting him in a fight. Which I think is totally reasonable. Because if people... you all said, we're not going to watch this guy fight, I don't care how good he is, because he's of his behavior outside the octagon, the steroids and the drugs and the hurting people, mm -hmm. he would get cut immediately if everyone just boycotted his fights. But that's not what happens. He's one of the best-selling fighters they have. And so people have spoken. They don't mind. Yeah, I don't know how to how to change that we talked about how tiktok uh plays on the trend towards shorter and shorter attention spans we're talking now how uh controversial upsetting things uh bring eyeballs which brings money mm. even if it's a bad controversial thing that we don't want to pay attention to yeah i don't know how to reverse that trend i yeah. don't i i think we've we've mentioned that sometimes long-form podcasts can be one small step in the opposite direction but the overwhelming flow seems to be towards yeah anger upset feelings polarization well you know how i feel i think you should just become extremely inflammatory <laughs> i'll be the straight man i'll just i'll just be milk toast you be spicy jalapenos yeah i well the one thing that that watching because i'm i'm looking at steven crowder for a video on change my mind yeah i think it would be a, a fun segment to do because honestly change my mind is a misnomer for that segment i was gonna say this <laughs> i was gonna ask has he ever changed his mind on camera I haven't seen it. I don't want to say that he hasn't. I haven't watched all of them. I don't even know that I've watched half of them. I've probably watched uh, 30% of them yeah. at this point. And I'm going to probably get to half by the time that I do this breakdown. But I've not seen him change his mind. It's a funny name for a segment. I've not seen him adjust his position yeah. uh, once. So, yeah, so it's not changed my mind. But I think that we could do an interesting one that was you know, at least titled accurately, which is let me try to change your mind. <laughs> or we could try to have our minds genuinely changed, which would be measured by if you have 10 conversations and you don't change your mind, either the people that you're speaking to are completely crazy or you're not actually open to having your yeah. mind changed. Uh, I think that would be a fun segment to do. We sure. would need someone who doesn't already agree with me <laughs> and you. Which yeah. is, <laughs> well, mirrors. most of the time we also talk off air. So even yeah. if we have a disagreement, we normally hash it out before sometime between Monday and Thursday yeah. when we record. That's fair. And our on, our philosophies have, have uh, coincided very, very hard. But I'd love to get guests on or, or people that disagree. Yeah. Oftentimes we like talk to the people at the end. And I know we're going to do that today. If you're watching and you've ever disagreed with us, Please call in. I think that would be the one of the more fun conversations we could have, and maybe we'll change our yeah. mind. Maybe you will, or maybe... Well, the other thing is, so we had a Mormon call in, mm -hmm. and that's not... Our religious beliefs and his religious beliefs don't coincide. Yeah. But the other thing is, I think when we had that call, 
it wasn't obvious that that was the segment. And so I know you specifically were towing the line between not wanting to upset him because clearly it was very important mm-hmm. to him while being honest with your own views. Yeah. So we should definitely make it clear when someone calls in, is this an advice call? Mm-hmm. Is this a change my mind call? Do you want loving hugs or are we allowed yeah. to actually get into it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. And, and I think that's the other thing that, that these segments, they're so hard. One of the points I'm going to make in the video is I don't totally blame Crowder for not changing his mind because he won. He does the first thing that you shouldn't do if you're actually open to having your mind change, which is make a firm stance <laughs> and dig in. And yeah. he's got a big sign that says, I this, I, yeah. you know, and, he's, and it's the fourth edition of this particular one. So it's very tough to move from that particular position. Yeah. Second, he's surrounded by an onlooker of cheering and jeering and oohs and ahs, depending on who yeah, scores which makes points. Yeah, which makes you really not want to say, oh, yeah, this person bested me. How does anyone change their mind mm-hmm. in those circumstances? And I don't think – obviously, he comes in better equipped in terms of having done the research because these are people walking around their college campuses unprepared for an interaction yeah. with him. But part of the reason I think that they do change their mind is not simply because he's right. It's because they haven't taken a firm stance. <laughs> and they're, so, therefore, it's easier for them to go – Oh yeah, I didn't really think of that. Yeah, sure. No, it is a hilarious. It's a hilarious setup. I I was watching it because I know you're doing this video on him, and he goes to, mostly to college campuses where he has a folio of pre-studied material, mm-hmm. and then just grabs random college students and goes, "Let's have a debate on this. You haven't had any chance to prep on this at all. Let's discuss." Mm-hmm. And it just seems like obviously it's made him very popular. So I understand why he does it. But it doesn't seem like the best forum for a discussion. No, no. I think if you asked people why they watch those particular things, and if you look at the ones that are the most popular, they normally have freakouts in them. They normally have people getting upset. It's it's not the most even debates mm-hmm. where they, oh, well, I agree to disagree, that tend to draw the most views on these. It's, yeah. the, it's the freakouts. And I, I think would that's, hate that job, by the way, yeah. watching this. It ends up often. It's like my least favorite conversations. Oh, yeah? It's the conversations I want to avoid so much. It's two people who have already made up their mind about something, most cases, and then they're discussing and they fall into trying to get each other on the minutia. Mm-hmm. So it's just these little ticky tack. Wait, okay, use this word. What do you think that word means? What's this word? Okay, well, you said this. Let's define evil. Let's define what this is. I would hate it. It seems like the least fun, the kind of conversation I would leave if I were at a dinner table. Yeah, there's there's several semantic, and it's not always, but there's there's cases where these particular conversations boil down to semantic yeah. point scoring, which is you you use that word. What does that word mean? Oh, that word was insulting to me, so now you're insulting me, and you're like, and then and then it becomes this ad hominem thing, and it becomes obvious that I'm not just saying Crowder, the the person sitting opposite to him is often more irrational than he is right i think you'd if you've seen some of these videos uh it just boils down to people being upset with each other or in the best case scenario having established firm positions and then trying to win tiny point scores as opposed to getting down to the fundamental philosophy of like why are you pro-life or or why you know who should have a monopoly on should the government have a monopoly on the use of guns within any any nation uh and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't often get down to the most interesting things. And because it's kind of like if you went into a courtroom and one side had the world's best attorney and the other side had somebody who showed up that day with no idea what they're yeah. gonna say, it makes him very persuasive in the in the context of these because the other side often is 
somebody who does not know what they are talking about. Sure. Uh, and and I think what he accurately shows is many of us hold many of the positions that we have dearly with very little understanding of the totality of any sort of yeah. situation. Well, what, he, what I learned, the one thing I learned from watching it, because he, I've seen him get upset and I've seen the people he talks to get upset, a superpower is being able to detach your ego from the conversation you're having. Yeah. To be able to not get defensive, not get angry, not get hostile, and just sit there and talk to someone while they have a disagreement with you. One, it makes you so much more persuasive. Two, it's going to make your life so much better. Mm -hmm. That's what I, I noticed from watching this. Where did you notice that? He's having a conversation with this guy, Yusuf, yeah. about socialism. And they both come off uh, unlikable. You know, I, I won't say who I think was had the better points or not, but neither of them comes off as someone that you think is, oh, I want to spend time with that person. Mm -hmm. They're they're getting catty with each other. They're butting heads. And I think if either one of them could have just gone, I'm not going to get my ego involved here, they would have come off much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. And some of the, the points that I'm going to make in the video are the ones that go well are the ones where there's a break for a joke. Or somebody, he's talking to this one this one uh, college student who's from Ethiopia, and she brings it up at one point. He goes, oh, Ethiopian food? I tried that. I can't get in. She's like, no, you got to, like, the the argument discussion breaks mm -hmm. for them to discuss Ethiopian food. Non-insulting joke. Because what I yes. saw him do with Yusuf was try to insult him yeah, yeah, and yeah. make the crowd laugh at him. Mm -hmm. Which then, honestly, Yusuf relatively kept his cool, but you could tell he, he started to bristle. Of course. He was also trying to make... Crowder look bad. They were both mm -hmm. trying to make each other look bad instead of trying to be persuasive and friendly and loving. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And weirdly enough, they they got their goal, I guess, because uh -huh. no one was persuaded, but they both looked bad during different moments of yeah. the conversation. The the image that I had in my mind is it's like a tug of war, and there's this rope, and you're trying to pull the person towards you. Now, the best thing that you can do is explain to them, like, look, if I pull you, there's there's pillows and a mattress and a hug waiting for you once you tumble past that side. And it's actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. But what often happens is, like, they're like, no, there's a cliff with an alligator. And if I yank you yeah, towards yeah. me, you just admitted that you're a dumb idiot and you're going to get laughed at by all these people. So nobody's going to move. Yeah. <laughs> they just dig in. And so the ones where there actually is movement are... I see that you're trying to do the right thing, and I actually think we both have the same goals here. And this is actually just a small misunderstanding, and that's where there's the most movement. Uh, now, it's all, always in the ones that I've seen from the person that he's talking to, but uh, I think part of the, the reason that he hasn't changed, one, he's obviously spent a lot of time researching, but two is there's pain for him associated with changing a lot of these positions mm -hmm. that he's on his fourth edition of, of shooting and representing. Uh, and so you want to do whatever you can, I think, to minimize that. That's that's the whole point of uh, the video that I'm making in terms of how to actually be persuasive. So that's what I've been digging into this week. I had a dream about Crowder. Oh, yeah. I had a dream I was debating him. <laughs> when I can never watch these videos. Oh, really? Yeah. I was just like in my sleep debating with him. Woke up stressed. It's like it was the worst no. sleep I ever had. The uh, there w I, This is a very common thing, but I was reading this book at the master and the student i forget what it's called but it's got a dialogue between uh, the zen master and the student and he asks him how he gets to the point where he doesn't care about anything and the master says you have to be willing to give up everything that's important to you he mm. says well what do i have to be willing to give up he says happiness he says i don't know if i can give up happiness he says well you when you give that up what you get is better than that it's the freedom from needing anything mm. and similarly to happiness when you give up 
the need to win the argument, you don't get so upset and yeah. hurt. It's so hard for me because, like, I do. I'm a philosophy major. I want to win every argument all the time. Uh, but, yeah, if you can just go, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't mind. I don't care. It's so much nicer. And, yeah, I imagine in your dream that wasn't how you felt. <laughs> no, no, no. I wanted to win. <laughs> you wanted to no, it does. I want to get off the crowd of thing. But there is one where he goes to Google and he talks about hate speech. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, African-American woman named Felicia. And every comment before I watched the video, I would just like to scroll through and see the comments. Every comment was, I love Felicia. Bring her back. We need more people like her, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, wow, this must have been a really good conversation. And what it was, was a calm person who was smiling with him, who didn't assume he was the enemy. You know, Mm -hmm. she's an African-American woman sitting down with a white man in front of a sign that says, hate speech isn't real. Change Mm -hmm. my mind. And she sits down. She goes, yeah, so what do you talk this and that? And she's just calm. She goes, well, I think anything that incites violence should be illegal. He goes, it already is. Instead of her going, getting defensive, she goes, oh, that's good. Mm Mm-hmm. And they talk, they talk for 10 minutes. She goes, yeah, cool. It doesn't sound like we really disagree on much. Yeah. Shakes his hand, leaves, and everyone loves her. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to me because in these arguments, most of us are arguing with friends and family. We're not arguing in front of a jury. The goal, weirdly enough, is not to score points. It's to have a good relationship with the people around you and the person you're talking to. Which can actually make people change their opinion mm-hmm. over over the long haul and so i thought it was interesting she just sits down she asks questions she's fairly socratic she doesn't get defensive or upset at anything and then leaves and honestly she probably had a great day too because it yeah. was a non uh adrenaline spiking conversation for her sure one of the things that i see often and i know you want to get off but i don't <laughs> is, uh, it's my name first in the podcast ben so we're going to talk about what i want this is my podcast. <laughs> so this actually is my last point with regards to crowder the a sentence that i think many of the people talking with him would benefit from and that i want to try to incorporate is oh if that's the case then my mind has changed because I think what often happens is you said he has his folio and he gives stats. Actually, gun gun deaths are this much, and actually this, and actually this, and mm-hmm. actually this. And what happens, you see, is people have learned things before. They don't recall exactly what they learned, but that piece of evidence seems contradictory to what they mm-hmm. learned. And because they can't square that, they have to now argue with this thing that if it were true would make them change their mind. You know, oh, if it's the case, for instance, in the, in the most extreme, dream example that he argues in one thing that guns save far more lives than they take and if there's no weird nuances or statistical aberrations in that and we can agree whatever the the noun is here uh heart surgeries save far more lives than they take probably most people would be like oh yeah let's keep that thing around Mm -hmm. and so the right sentence there is if that's the case and there's not any weird statistical counting going on there i'm for that but i'd have to understand like i don't totally trust your cherry pick yeah, yeah data. You, could say, <laughs> you could even say like i'm skeptical because that doesn't jive with my impression yeah, yeah. but if that's the case then i might consider my mind changed yeah. uh and that would be tr- like again whether it's not, gun heart heart transplants all, uh, all of these things yeah if it saves more people than it hurts i have a hard time imagining why i wouldn't want this to be yeah. legal uh but people i see they dig in and now they're fighting this battle that they cannot win because they haven't allowed that their mind are, might already be changed if that were true. Hmm. So that's any, that's it for Crowder. More from you or from me? Well, do you have more? Because I have a couple things. You hit me. So I don't know if you know this. We have a president of the United States. We do. His name is Donald Trump. Mm. And yesterday, he was impeached. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so fun fact. I don't know. I, I don't know much about it. I think people might think that means more than it does. Mm-hmm. It does not mean he's getting 
kicked out of office. Mm-hmm. In fact, the likelihood that he gets kicked out of office is almost zero. What it means is now two-thirds of the Senate have to vote to remove him from office for anything to happen. Is Well, I don't want to be the news channel, but I have to ask, is there a trial that has to occur or is it just a vote? I think there's a trial that has to occur. Got it. I think there's a trial that has to occur. Justin, if you wanted to chime in, if you know any of these answers? Yes, so there is a trial. Right now, um, what's going to happen is after the House voted um, and they present the articles that they voted on, which is obstruction or abuse of power and then obstruction, Mm -hmm. um, then they're going to present it to the Senate and the Senate holds a trial and they're basically a jury. Yeah. Um, So right now, the big fight is like between the Democrats and the Republicans, whether the, the trial sort of like takes place over a longer amount of time um, which is in favor of the democrats because then they have more time to to sort of like Get give more details yeah i think also to take it into election season and to just dis- and to do that i yeah. don't think there's any chance this is the one thing that i saw that i can comment on is you see you, i appreciate the research that you did and you sent there were two votes uh there was the obstruction and the abuse and the ye- the yeses were 230 yeses in one and 229 in the other. What a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, this is what I want to talk about. So I actually don't want to pontificate on the news or this and that. Yeah. I want, I, this is what I want to talk about. How hilarious. So what a coincidence yeah. that every Democrat was so persuaded by the evidence yeah. and every Republican found the, the evidence so unpersuasive. It's incredible. And, and then I thought... One, it, the one difference was an independent. And so then, then I thought to myself, wow... The oh, I don't have the the numbers right in front of me, but I thought, wow, we have a really divisive political system today. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. I wonder what happened with Clinton mm-hmm. because that was way back in the day. People say it's so divisive now. I'm yeah. sure back then it was probably more even keeled. Shockingly, in Bill Clinton's case, many of the Democrats, ninety eight percent of them, thought that he was innocent. Yeah. And all the Republicans found the evidence very persuasive. That's crazy. Yeah, it's such a farce. It's a hilarious farce. And what's funny is to, to get impeached, which is what happened to Clinton, and now it happened to well, Trump. Well, to be clear, what you're saying, because what you're saying is the impression that we're, anyone who is voting is interested in the truth is a farce. No one cared about Ukraine. Yeah, no yes. one that voted cared about Ukraine. Well, I don't want to say no one. It seems like without knowing anything about them, they could have watched a thousand hours of evidence or zero, and I could accurately predict their vote. I here's and here's <laughs> it, it, this is what I think. If Barack Obama had word for word the same call with President Zelensky or whatever his name is, word yep. for word, same transcript, same people and thing, I think you'd watch the in, yes. exact inverse yeah. of these votes, which is to say, the actions that happened, uh, which I don't know, I have no personal opinion of whether good, bad, or uh, impeachable or not. The people who are voting upon them do not care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, no, they I, are... And I, I want to talk about the actions later because sure. I, I have some fun, funny facts as I research that. Oh, there are no facts, man. No, well, you, <laughs> just wait. But uh, no, I thought it, I think it's incredible, and it seems like such a broken system because mm-hmm. you get you need fifty percent votes to get impeached. Yeah, but then sixty-seven percent to get kicked out of office. Yeah. So everybody who's celebrating this as a win. There is almost no chance at all mm-hmm. that anything happens in terms of Trump being kicked out of office. So people fought for this for years so that we could say that Trump was impeached. Yeah. And he's just going to run out his term and then run again for yeah. president. Well, it might hurt his chances of winning. And quite frankly, that might be the strategy is is to 
drag it out and, and with an understanding that uh, co- uh, the Democrats are not stupid. They recognize that no one on their team voted the other way and that no one on the other team is going to vote the other way. Yeah. And they can count how many people are. Well, on that's why I think team. it's funny. People are. And it, maybe this is your point. People who don't understand the impeachment process are saying this is a win. Mm-hmm. This is a nothing, it seems. I mean, what you say about it, who you are, completely depends on your politics. This is either a win and finally justice is being done and the Republicans are going to obstruct it or this is a – right? And, yeah, yeah. and the problem is that if I can predict – if you could tell me one piece of evidence, namely your who you voted for in the last election, your, your political affiliation, and I can predict how you're going to vote on obstruction, abuse of power, uh, and any other charge against them, there's a problem, which is ideology – is responsible for 99% of what has happened, possibly with Tulsi Gabbard being the one mentionable exception who voted present, right? Kind of well, she, did you see why? I she read was what just she disgusted said. by the whole thing. She's, she's like, I think that Trump mm-hmm. is guilty of something, but I also think that this whole impeachment process has been a partisan hack job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so I abstain from voting. Yeah. I thought about this while I was researching Crowder and it's, what are the odds that if you told me that someone is pro-life, that I would also know that they want to build the wall, <laughs> you know, or that I would yeah, also that know that they support anti, Trump and they're anti-gun control? That they're oh, no, if well, that they're pro-life, yeah, that they're anti-gun control. Like how? Why are all of these things so closely tied? Closely tied. Yeah, it does seem like you should be able to form your own opinion on abortion mm-hmm. and your own opinion on gun control, mm-hmm. and that they shouldn't line up exactly with everyone else's conclusions, correlating perfectly between the two. Yes, and one, one, and also it's not perfect. No one has to comment. I'm pro life <laughs> yeah. and I'm pro gun control. Like, yes, there's a minority and it's wonderful. And I mm-hmm. like that you have opinions like that. I'm we're glad. Just, we're just saying that it's remarkable for most people how correlated these opinions all are. Yes. And and the rebuttal to that would be to say, well, they're based on philosophical differences, which, you know, if the roots are different, we can predict accurate stemmings. But I think some of these opinions have changed in terms of uh, the immigration one being a big issue. I, I'm pretty sure it's not always been the Republican position to have stronger checks, mm-hmm. right? At some point, uh, you could argue that if if it is true that the Republican Party is the party of lower taxes, higher corporate profits, that opening the borders is actually quite beneficial to that, right? And you could you can imagine some of these people having differing opinions, but you don't see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's because Donald Trump said, "Hey." Here's the stance of my team. <laughs> you know, no. here's what we think. Or and and then you get, yep, this is what I think. Uh, it's it's just crazy, man. It's just two teams. I, the one interesting suggestion that I heard to try to stop this was to get out of the first past the post election style. Do you know what that is? First past the post. No. Right, okay, so I'll I'll do my best to explain it. Uh, in an in an election like we have in the United States, you can vote for anyone. But if you vote third party, you're basically splitting the votes for the, whatever, the Democrats in this state, and the Republicans will win. So you're forced to vote for one of two massive voting blocks. It creates mm-hmm. voting blocks. In other systems, what you can do is they say is, we're not going to put anyone into power until they have over 50% of the votes. So let's say that you know Republicans are 48% and Democrats are 52%, but also a lot of them like independents. If they split down the middle, go 26-26, or 27-25, they kick out the 25 and they re-vote. Or you get to add in, okay, mm. if this person doesn't win, this is who I would like instead, which allows for third-party candidates, which allows for nuance, which allows for there not to be a block of ideologies that have to stick together in order to get any of them through. Mm. Uh, 
and so that that was the most interesting what I countries have that I don't know what countries have it, but I know that uh, there's a YouTube video <laughs> that talks about it, uh, and it does it with animals. It's like, if the tortoise wins, then the hare could come in second, but if the fox is third and he combines with the hare, then the hare wins. Uh, I thought that that was interesting, and just yeah, how, how the system that we have set up guarantees that there's going to be two major parties that all have the same beliefs, all vote the same directions, yeah. and potentially a minor shift of like a write-in of, oh, if Bernie doesn't win, then vote for Hillary could change all of that mm. uh, and get more nuanced positions in there but not gonna happen nah speaking of yeah finding your information from youtube videos sure this is kind of related so i wanted i was curious what trump actually did i yeah. thought surely i can find this out right <laughs> so i tried to read some news it's very confusing depending on what news you go to but then the white house released a transcript oh thank god yeah i was like oh thank god <laughs> seriously thank god i can get the transcript i can get the actual word for word what he said so i read it all I go, this isn't really that bad at all. Turns out it's not actually a word-for-word transcript. <laughs> it's a spirit of the law transcript. It's mm-hmm. somebody wrote, because obviously this is just a, con- these conversations happen all the time. They're not transcribed. There's people listening. So this is a, this is basically what was said, transcript, released by the White House. Got and it. it makes Trump look fine. <laughs> And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. What I'm saying is it was impossible for me to find out what actually happened as someone who just was curious. Yeah, the idea of it actually happening is also a strange one from a philosophical perspective. Because it, I just wanted to know if I were on the phone call, what would I have heard? Well, this was interesting. I, again, coming back to Crowder, what you would have heard, I actually think, depends on who you are. Because the amount of misunderstandings that occur where somebody says a word and they think they said something else and then they argue over that. But because this person is opposed to them, they take on the new – like Stephen Crowder thought that this guy said a word. So Stephen Crowder starts arguing against this. This guy didn't say that word. But because Stephen's arguing with him, he takes up arms against what Stephen is saying. <laughs> instead of saying, now, that's not what I said. Instead of being like, oh, no. And now they're arguing. And I, and I think what you would have heard on that transcript – if you, again, if you played it to a staunch Republican and a starch Democrat, you would literally hear different things. Yeah. There is clearly uh, no objective way to get to this. Oh, no, the transcripts, you know, there's waveforms and they're the same. Apparently something happens when those hit our brains that just completely yeah, changes yeah. it. Uh, and that's why I often opt out of the specifics of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. My last Trump thing, he released a six-page letter Yeah, that was, I think it was before. I can't. I forget what's right before or right after the impeachment. But whoever wrote that letter, because I don't think it was him, deserves a bonus. Because mm-hmm. it was a wonderful letter. And I, ch- I recommend people check it out if they're just curious about how to write a good PR thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't have an opinion. Like I said, I tried to form one and I couldn't find the information. But he releases a six-page thing that is very persuasive if you read it in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what often happens is— You read it in a vacuum. You read it in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah, and so people who read it find it persuasive because that's the vacuum that they've That's the thing. I'm just, to my stance—I'm just Tulsi Gabbard. My stance is to be unpersuaded because I don't trust any of the evidence. Yeah. But I was just saying from a persuasion standpoint, it's very well written. It's a real shame. Whoever wrote it should get a big bonus. It's a shame, and I don't know who, and I think it's probably both, but essentially what we're saying is that uh, there's many things today that the, where the water, the water has become so muddy— that anyone who is unwilling to put in hours and hours of research and checking and switching their opinion six times, they find, oh my God, that was BS or that was poorly representative, 
cannot even begin to have a, a valid opinion. Because, oh, I, I put time into it. Yeah. There was an April transcript, and I tried to find that, and then I realized the impeachment was because of a July transcript, yeah, so yeah, I tried yeah. to find that. I guess I'm not good enough at Googling. Yeah, and couldn't, that's the thing. Couldn't and, get to the facts. And so what do you do? You go, I don't <laughs> I, Yeah, I, what I said was this is truly impossible for me to have an opinion on because yeah. I cannot figure out the actual facts. I think that's the most reasonable stance. Obviously, that's the stance that I've taken, which is I'm not now going to invest time in, in this, which... I did. Yeah. I did invest some time. <laughs> well, we got a podcast. Who knows <laughs> if you would have done that otherwise. I have a present for you. Hit me. Okay, I'm going off the mic. This oh. is a book that I really like. It's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And I got put in touch with the author, and he is he's rewritten it, and he gave us early copies. Nice. So this is Thank for you. you, and we'll talk about this next podcast. Sick. I'm about a third of the way through it. And uh, yeah, I love the original. Actually, it's one of my favorite audiobooks. If people want to check it out, it's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And mm. I found it was really, really good to listen to. He narrates it himself. And so I wish this were an audiobook, but yeah, we'll read it and we'll talk about it next week. Have you noticed any? You haven't gotten into the differences yet? No, the first third is the same. Okay. It's basically, it's three times the content. The first third is the same. So I can't really comment on it because so I'm just rereading. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is the book, I don't know if it's because I've read it before or listened to it before. The book was super powerful the first time I went through it as an audiobook, and reading it, it doesn't hit as hard. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about his delivery because he's clearly in love with the subject material. Yeah. That makes it much more persuasive. It's really powerful. If you do what this book says, I have found it to be very, very helpful for self-love, self-esteem, confidence. But I found the audiobook to be much more powerful. Okay. So, I'll take a look. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Cool. That's my gift to you. Thank you. Anything else? Let me see. Oh, yeah. It says, before current events, comment what your favorite part was. I think we wanted people to comment so that we could hone in on the content. That's right. So Ben and I uh, talk to each other often, and the question is, what do we talk to each other about when we're on camera? (laughs) So if you guys have parts of this podcast that you enjoyed, and I'll say this in the future, please write them in the comments. If there's parts that you didn't like, write them in the comments. If Ben and I talking about, for instance, Star Wars Battlefront is very different than impeachment, we want to know. Do you guys like when we joke around, talk about our hobbies? Or are you more interested in current events? Are you more interested in the philosophical things that last beyond this week's news? Yeah. So we want to co-create the content of this podcast with you guys. So what do you like listening to? If you let us know your favorite parts in the comments, then we'll make sure we talk about more stuff like that. And we will. I know I've said in the past that I don't read the comments. I'm going to have uh, an assistant Someone go through these, well, compile these, yeah. and I'll read everything related to And if there's a segment you didn't like, nicely let <laughs> us know. We're sensitive, and we can avoid talking about certain things, too. You know, we don't have to talk politics, or we don't have to talk about surfing or philosophy. Hopefully that one doesn't get cut. Don't say video games, guys. Don't say video games. You're allowed to say <laughs> video games, guys. No, yeah, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Be nice. Cool. Let's talk about current events. Current events. It was really hard to find stuff that's not that wasn't not the impeachment. Oh yeah. my god. Um, okay, so the first thing that kind of took the internet by a small storm, pun intended, was the snow squall on the East Coast. Squall. Have you heard about this? No, didn't see it. I think it went viral because of the name. Honestly, it's just basically a thunderstorm but for snow. So like, there are videos of like one second, like um, New Yorkers will be like in the sun, and then all of a sudden it's just like. <laughs> Like a hellstorm of really? like, like snow. It yeah. hailed on us. Do you remember when it hailed in Vegas? 
No. You oh, yeah, I do. Do you remember? So we, yeah. we lived in the desert. I had a shitty car, and I was worried it was going to dent it. We lived in the desert, and one day, out of nowhere, I mean, there were some that were that big. Just hailstones started falling out of the sky. You had a convertible at the time yeah, yeah, yeah. with a soft top. I was driving, and I wasn't in a convertible at the time. I was driving, and these hailstones started coming down. I was like, what is happening here? Vegas is hilarious because they don't have weather, so they panic whenever there is weather. That was insane. Do you remember when there was a flash flood? I'm going to put this in quotes. Uh-huh. That it had about four inches of water on the road and my girlfriend at the time called out of work because she said it was <laughs> flooded and she couldn't drive well four inches of water is a lot three inches it was not it was a normal rainstorm for someone from philadelphia got it because we were in vegas it was she's like i can't drive in the this, roads this were slick sanity yeah the roads were slick yeah, yeah, yeah i was like what this is just every day in fall where i grew up that's a weird town they don't have weather yeah they just don't know what to do when it's not 105 and dry let's riff on vegas for a minute and and again we cut all of this but that's the weirdest place that I've ever lived by far. So I would. It's a great place. I describe it as a high moral integrity town, full of uh, lots of people doing diverse things. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. So to be fair, our experience of Vegas was predominantly with people related to the industry, which is all of the casinos on the Strip. So there's servers, uh, people who do yeah. busboy stuff, cocktail waitresses, dealers. You know, all that kind of like dealers not drug dealers there are drug dealers as well in vegas i know that will shock some of you strippers every stripper i've ever met in my entire life was in vegas and yep. there were several of them it's common yeah, you just yeah. go to you go to a bar or a club oh what do you do i'm a dancer where do you dance sapphire the first time someone said dancer oh i was, I like, I was like that's cool Cirque du Soleil. i was so so naive when yeah. we first got to vegas yeah it took me a couple yeah i was like which show are you in? yeah i'm a dancer oh i love Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a strange couple of years out there. It's it's a town that not that everyone is, is like this. By the way, I have a friend who does real estate there. I have a friend who's an entrepreneur there. We're just talking about th this subsect sure. of the city is very interesting and very unique relative to Philly, L.A., Brazil, New York. Yeah, it's an entire town that runs on the service industry, or at least an entire subset of the town that does, and. It creates this dynamic whereby you would never expect to see a waiter or a busboy driving around in a new BMW, mm -hmm. but they all drive around in oh, new yeah. BMWs because what you make as a busboy, if you're at these top clubs or a cocktail waitress at these top clubs, is strong six figures. Like yeah. Cocktail waitresses, I believe the one that I knew that was working at XS that my brother dated made around 200K in a season, and a season's only like nine-ish months, yeah. you know? Yeah, nine months of bringing bottles of alcohol from the kitchen to a table mm -hmm. for 200 grand cash yeah and then for three months i think collecting unemployment yes because you're not employed for those three months so even every, though you made 200 grand cash in the other nine it's months it's crazy so everybody collects unemployment they uh, spend it like they make it yeah and so, so you, it's a lot of cash rich it's a lot of uh it's people that and you, the other thing that a lot of people don't know when they go to these clubs is they see all these people at tables and they're like, oh, my God, that's got to be a chic. Or what? who is that kid? Like, he's got to be a billionaire, which you don't realize on any given night in New York, Vegas, anywhere in the world. Half the tables, a third of the tables are friends of the bouncers that get the same treatment at all the other tables that they're spending $50,000 yeah. for. So my brother who works in the club any night of the week that he wanted was getting free bottle service yeah. at a primo table surrounded by a bunch of people and they they come out with signs for his birthday he spent no money the it nightclub industry is fascinating because it's basically the the entire nightclub is almost like the set of a play that is designed 
to make the few people dropping $50,000 on a table mm -hmm. feel like it's worth it. Yeah. Everyone that's paying $50 for a ticket and buying alcohol at the bar, you are scenery. They don't care about you at all. They are trying to make sure that when the person comes in and gets $18,000 bottle of champagne, he thinks that was a great use of money. Mm -hmm. What a great night. Yeah. And everyone else that's there, the promo models, the, the cocktail waitresses, everyone, you are, you are there to create that feeling and that scene for those six tables, basically. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you look at their income, that's certainly the case. Yeah. One guy comes in, spends several hundred thousand dollars. Uh, your GA $50 ticket didn't really mean much to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They no, just we, needed you to be a buyer. The reason we know, for people that don't know, the reason we know this so well is not just because we lived in Vegas. In New York, we were weird pseudo-promoter <laughs> apprentice type people yeah. who didn't get paid, but promoters would bring out 18 women to fill a table with women so that when a guy would come in who was a hedge fund manager and drop 20 grand on a table they would put him next to 20 pretty women the promoters hate their jobs for most cases they've been doing this for years they're very burned out so they don't want to make sure everyone's having a good time they find two wide-eyed 22 year old <laughs> guys in charlie and i who think it's amazing to be able to go to these clubs and they basically say you can come for free to this table but you have to make sure that everybody else has fun mm -hmm. so we're like professional dancing monkey entertainers for the women <laughs> so that the women could be there for the men yeah so weirdly enough this guy drops 20 grand he wants to see the pretty women but they have to have a good time so we have to make sure that the <laughs> the women are having fun and for us it was it it was it's just a weird thing at vegas in particular you know they got the fake eiffel tower that there's there's a lot of Vegas is a town uh, built on image, and LA you can argue the same thing about. But yeah. there's, uh, it, I don't mean necessarily some of the people certainly in any place are going to be false and fake. But the, yeah, there's an image of what is happening in this club, and if you look at the underlying economics, that's not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the Eiffel Tower, you're like, ah, oh, but no, on the inside, it's this you know crappy uh fake doesn't hold up well it's also we could go on level deeper too the the reason partially so if if these are women who are from out of town they're in vegas for a night and they're going to a club you don't mm -hmm. need two guys to make them laugh and have fun they're going to have fun but when you're in new york a lot of times these promoters will get houses and then fill them with models from mm. i'm just thinking of this one woman from minnesota let's say who wants to come to new york to try to make it big as a fashion model but she can't afford to live in new york city because it's insanely expensive so he goes okay i'll give you free housing but you have to come out with me five nights a week to these nightclubs so one month in she's been to a nightclub 20 times it's her 20th time it's a wednesday it's 2 a.m she doesn't want to be there yeah. <laughs> but she but they have to make sure that it looks like she's having fun so that when it's your one night a year that you get bottle service, you're not surrounded by people that don't want to be there. Yeah. So yeah, that's the weird ecosystem is it's these people who sometimes have to go to the club night after night after night and they don't want to be there. They want to be asleep or reading a book, but they have to look like they're having fun so that when someone comes in for the one time a year and drops a bunch of money, you're not surrounded by frowning people that really wish they weren't there. Yeah. So it's a very, especially in New York, it's a very weird ecosystem. It's, I think also think it's not clearly the only reason. It's part of the reason that the lights are low and the music is so loud. Because <laughs> if you turned on the lights and turned down the music and we're like, how much fun <laughs> is actually being had here? How many people are really enjoying their conversation? It's not a lot. Yeah. It's, it's except, a lot of except standing Except Vegas, there. Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Vegas, Friday, Saturday is when you get all the people that are actually just there to have fun for the weekend and yeah. then people are really having fun yeah yeah it's the it's the weekday nights where people are mostly i've done this a hundred times i have to be here for work mm -hmm. 
that you would be you would need the low lights but yeah vegas on a weekend it's just a bunch of people trying really hard to have a vegas weekend that has stories in it totally totally it's a funny been? city too uh yeah i've been for for work for work yeah the venetians so it was kind of like part of that influencer life did you get a table yeah, they gave us a table. They gave you a table? Oh, oh, so you were there for... That's right. You you were working with another YouTube type thing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you saw behind the curtain. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you described. <laughs> <laughs> Did they... Uh, sometimes what they had, and people would ask my brother because he worked at these clubs, they would ask him to, like, go get girls and bring them to the table. Did they do that with you guys? I don't... It was kind of built in because the guys I worked for previously were kind of, like, so they were really into that life uh -huh. so they already had like this network of like guys who just like had girls to like bring and so they the guy who, the promoter yeah. who's gonna bring them out and they're gonna come oh man dude i have a great a story about ecosystem. this i have Go a great story about this my friends went for a bachelor party so not hooked up not influencers not there with a promoter they're just there right and they're having a good time my one buddy's a little bit drunk and he goes oh man i really wish there were some women around but you know we we're all not good at this let's uh let's see if the bouncer can help us out so he goes to the bouncer he gives him i think a hundred dollars say man could you just like get some women to come to the table tell them we'll give them free alcohol whatever they want really just to like come hang out he goes, oh yeah no problem bouncer disappears half hour later comes back goes it's harder than it looks man i don't know couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it my friend goes what he goes yes yeah, sorry and then just goes back to bouncing doesn't give the money back it's hilarious it's a half hour goes and strikes hey do you guys want to go to this table no nah, we're good <laughs> It's harder than it looks, man. I don't know. Oh, my God. It's awesome. It's oh great. Oh, my God. I've seen that happen on the other side. I've seen the professional guys. Sometimes it's a bouncer. Sometimes it's a host come around and be like, talk to a group that I'm talking to. Be like, hey, these guys want to get you a drink. It's a weird request. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to walk over here to see these people that you've never seen who have invited you literally because they know your gender? Yeah. Well, what's awesome, <laughs> what I respect. Also, there's free alcohol, and sometimes that's that's enough to sell it. There are professional people who do that, promoters. Yeah. They're these slick-talking guys. Yeah. They're good at this. This was just a dude that was 300 pounds. <laughs> he just got hired because he was big, and he went out and tried his best. Came back, said, I don't know how to do this, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, Kept the money. Sorry, dudes. It's hilarious. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, nope, not for news. Sick. Let's do let's questions. Talk, yeah, let's talk about listener questions. I'm going to read my book. All right, cool. Um, first one is from Jim Smith. What's up, Jim? He says, you always mention the four-hour work week, and your objective is to have as much free time as possible. Mm. How many hours do you actually work, and how does a typical day look for you? Nice. This is a good question, and I think it exposes a problem in how yeah. I handle myself. I pull, I do about 80 hours a week, nonstop. <laughs> I run on Adderall and coffee. <laughs> no. I couldn't tell you how many hours I work because yeah. this is this is the problem. I'm... I'm always right in the middle. I'm never working hard, but I'm very rarely turned completely off. I agree. We don't have weekends. I work every day. But I also most days get up without an alarm. And I always find time for a date or video games or the gym or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So, yeah, it's not stressful, but it's definitely not four hours a week. It's more like, for me, two to five hours a day. Yeah, so, every day seven days a week got it two to five hours a day every day i i can't if i were wise about my work and i did pomodoros and i did i'm gonna do these 90 minute bands i think i could easily do an hour and a half a day and really crush stuff with the one exception being watching videos because oftentimes i have to no, watch I several ask, hours the of breakdowns videos. when i did them they're time consuming but if if i were able to 
take that out and say, forget the time spent on that. The time spent outlining, writing, yeah. et cetera. I think I could do everything I had to do in an hour and a half a day. Well, I was talking to our friend Benji. This will tie in. And he wants to take a crack at writing a script because he thinks it would be fun. Oh. And he knows we're struggling with finding someone to do it. And he yeah. said, I think I could do it in four hours. And that, the, the, I think he underestimates the, uh, the research that yeah. goes into it like r the writing part sure i actually think yeah if you had if you had all the clips and you yeah. wanted to bang out an outline of script in four hours yeah super smart guy no no doubt seeing the patterns is time consuming for me at least it yeah, was yeah, watching yeah. it's the most 100 chris hemsworth videos before i figured out that he touches everybody and he talks a certain way and his jokes are always this you know mm -hmm. that to me i couldn't figure out a shortcut for couldn't figure out how to do it in an hour i i can i've gotten it down but if i look at my week and the way that i do things it's roughly monday to monday or tuesday to thursday or friday is research and then the next two-ish days mm -hmm. are outline and writing so yeah it's it's way heavier research uh but how many hours do i work the problem that i mentioned that i that i need to fix is i'm never off uh and i need to just be on and off so i couldn't really tell you accurately i think about the business all day every day it is what i talk about with ben mm. often uh, yeah, that's true. It sneaks into the gym. We'll be lifting and you'll have a business thing or I'll yeah. have a business thing. It sneaks everywhere. And yeah. it's what I like to think about, quite frankly. It's a, it's an interesting, often the, the people that I'm covering are really interesting or yeah. the problems that we're, we're covering are interesting. But uh, I do think it'd be nice to have a bit more segmentation. Plus, I work out of my bed. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. no line no, it's a of very, work in life. Exactly. It's a very lifestyle business. It's yeah. work from home, work when you want. I went surfing today. Uh, you know, I got back to the house at noon on a Thursday. So it's great in that regard. We're sitting it's... in Ben's apartment. This yeah. is, this is... Well, don't out us. This is a really nice professional <laughs> studio, guys. This is totally not my apartment. Yeah, this is this is the majority of Ben's apartment now is this studio. So uh... what what is funny? I think the the fact that when we redid the studio, it was my because I don't mind that we shoot this in my apartment. Having multiple people coming in and out of my apartment, redecorating with shelves and pictures, mm -hmm. and it, it was it felt like a construction zone. Yeah, it was such a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there, man. I got you. But yeah, that's that's the that's the truth. Is our, our work and our lives are so co closely intertwined that saying, "Oh, I'm done work," I, that never really. But it's definitely not happens. a four. I think when people think four hour work week, they think that it's either one hour a day for four days, or once a week you come in, you make sure the machine is running, and then you're mm -hmm. out. Right? You have some sort of e commerce business. Yeah. You just go, okay, need more inventory, this and that. Now I'm done for a week, and that our business is on our minds every day. It could be like that if we. We're not interested in making, continuing to make interesting content, and we just kind of stopped with the production of content. Yeah, I think we, we could go to four hours. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you could go to almost zero because yeah. we could just say, okay, we're not going to improve our marketing. It's going to be as is. So that's now zero work. Mm -hmm. We're just going to sell whatever we sell, and then yeah, we could just outsource. We could outsource the content to just a farm team that did bad videos, <laughs> and that would just cost money. And then we just put up crappy stuff until the channel slowly died should i get <laughs> a zero hour work week if you're listening to this <laughs> and you think that you can help solve this problem by the way by not being a bad content team but being someone that can actually do great research and interesting people or you think you're a good writer and you do want to help script some of our upcoming breakdowns shoot an email to support at charismaoncommand.com because we are looking for that role so. yeah and, and and please write writer in the subject line and know that what uh actually even before you do this what i would like and i had 200 people do this and we still haven't found the person so this isn't easy and don't don't take this lightly uh would be to do a breakdown on craig ferguson your version of a breakdown uh and, and send us a support 
with with writer in the headline no pressure obviously uh you know there's a less than one percent chance it works out but if you're but for out there, someone listening you <laughs> might become part of the charisma on command yeah, team it's, it's arguably tricky. the most important part yeah of the charisma on command team and help millions of people <laughs> all right let's hop into the next question next question is by a guy by the name of the disliker the disliker the disliker Ooh, does like he how does he feel about our podcast <laughs> Uh, he says, what are your opinions about the value of charisma compared to character in society? Do you think it's fair that someone may be judged based on how charismatic they are rather than things such as morals, actions, etc.? Do I think it's fair? I think so. there's two words that always I, I, I think they're misused if people thought deeply about them and they're similar. It's fair and deserve. Uh, we have this idea of what the world ought to be like because perhaps our parents told us that it was this way and whether or not it's fair it is the case mm -hmm. uh would i change it were i emperor of the universe i think so i would change a lot of the things we talked about i'd make uh polarization not such an easy way to to earn money right <laughs> yeah i'd make the brain less hyped in for scandals yeah more hyped in for substance and i would probably uh, also make character matter more than the confidence with which one says mm -hmm. something but whether it's fair or not, I, I, I don't necessarily think that's the word that I would use to describe it. So I'll, I'll pass on that question, but it yeah. is the case. Yeah. The, well, the other thing I think is interesting. So I, one, I do think that in the short term, you are judged on your charisma. No one can know your character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. You are correct in that that is how the world works. Your charisma determines what people think of you. Yeah. Just straight up, first impression, even long term, three months in. Eventually, character does rise to the surface mm -hmm. eventually good character will get you loyal friends it might not get you a ton of friends if you have no charisma but loyal friends a loyal relationship i think people who respect you if they know you right mm -hmm. i think the best thing to do is have high charisma and high character mm -hmm. the one thing i do want to say i think at the end of the day it all is your actions right your charisma is how you speak and how you carry yourself but your character is also i think only your actions because i see a lot of people who are upset with how dating works because they say that the, I'm such a nice guy or I'm such a nice woman <laughs> and the dating world is rigged against me because all people care about is this other stuff. But when you look at their actions, there is nothing to denote high character. It's just them trying to talk to, uh, for instance, I, I've seen this a lot in guys talking to a woman and not going well and then them going, what a bitch. Oh, she's a whatever, you know, saying mean things. Well, that's not high character. Mm -hmm. That's sour grapes. So I think that charisma is important. I think that high character is important. I think we all think we're high character. Yeah. And what I would suggest people do is look at your own actions <laughs> because that's what other people should judge you on. It's not what you say. If you say you're wonderful, people should just completely ignore that fact. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think to the person who's writing this, what do you do in your life that shows how high character you are? Because if you are volunteering at nonprofits donating your money, going out of your way to make other people smile and laugh, opening the door for people, seeing someone drop something and picking it up for them, I guarantee that you will make great impressions. Not on everyone, because mm -hmm. you also should be funny and smiling and all that, but people will notice that character and it will draw people to you. But if you are just, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying I've seen people who don't worry about their charisma, aren't making good first impressions and are grumpy because the world is unfair because they're such wonderful people, but no one knows how wonderful they are. That's not high character. Mm -hmm. There's nothing high character about being alone in your apartment complaining. Mm -hmm. So 
actually living out in the world as someone with extremely high character will get you noticed, I think. But I would say all that matters is your actions, not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, well, I think intention matters, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what you're saying. No, but... I'm just saying people like to think of themselves as these high character people. And you go, well, what have you done in the last week that was high character? That I would see because I'm not in your brain. You know, that's the thing is we see our thoughts all the time. We monitor our own thoughts. So yeah. that's how we judge ourselves. Well, it's, it's but false. other people only judge you based on what they see you do. Mm-hmm. So if you're having all these wonderful, kind thoughts, but you don't say nice things to people. Sure, maybe you're a kind person internally, but how would I know you're kind versus if you're the kind of person that walks around saying, oh, my God, you did this thing. And I think it's amazing. That'll make you friends. That'll get you the positive results you're talking about. Remember, our friend Austin yeah. said that you're, he was really kind about your major when you were 19 and we still talk about it 13 years later because it wasn't just a nice thought he said it was a nice thought he shared Mm -hmm. you know so sure your character can be what happens internally but other people can only know your character to the extent that you show it with your actions and your behavior yeah no i think a, a great exercise is to describe yourself without using the verb to be so you don't get to say i am a good friend you have to say I picked my friend up at the airport mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. I texted X, Y, or Z. And when I think am verbs have a place, I think who who you in the uh, deepest sense who you are is a is a wonderfully important question. But when we're talking about developing character, often it can get in the way because similar to driving and intelligence, everybody rates themselves as above average. Yeah, everyone <laughs> thinks they're a better driver than they are, or everyone thinks they're above average driver. Yeah, and everyone yeah. thinks they're above average character. And, and it can't be the case. Big one. It yeah. can't be the case. Uh, and so, yeah. So just having to write down yeah, what you do, you know, yeah. is, is, is a really useful exercise. And if, you're, and if you struggle, then it's a great solution to that is to do things. Okay, what could I write down? And yeah. then oh, what well, would if the, I wrote this down, that would be good. I'll, I'll go make sure I can yeah, write that down. Yeah, what would high character actions be? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if your goal, if you're saying, oh, it's not fair that people judge based on charisma. Well, what, what would high character actions be that you'd be proud of doing and that people would also like you for. Mm-hmm. Again, I have a friend who he met someone he's dating because he was shoveling mulch for a nonprofit that helped plant trees. Mm-hmm. And he met a woman who was shoveling mulch for the same nonprofit. They started talking and they, you know, ended up briefly dating or whatever you want to call it. So that's an action that people could see. She could judge his character by the fact that he was shoveling mulch, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think character has, it will help short-term, long-term, but it has to be high-character actions. Sure. Agree. Who's next? Um, that's it for fan questions. All right. We were going to have somebody call in. We cannot find them. It's uh, They're in you... Iraq. In their defense, it's yeah. 1.30 a.m. So if you want to call in next week, let's try to make it happen. I think it'd be a super cool conversation. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll Thanks see you next listening. time. Thanks for listening. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.